Hi, thanks for listening. In 20 seconds or less, I wanted to ask if you would consider supporting the show with a one-time donation of $1 to $3. The funds go to subscription fees, equipment upkeep, and a general sense of well-being. Links in the show notes. And again, thanks for listening. Okay, on with the show. Chapter 4 In the town of Wheeling, West Virginia, Nicole Bennett's Chevy Cavalier had given out. She figured it was a buyer's market and set out to find a suitable replacement. Her quest brought her to the doors of Pinelli's. Alphonse Pinelli had prided himself on having the finest array of foreign sports cars in the southeast. His unsold inventory sat in his immaculate showroom, just waiting for those with the taste for the finer things and the means to acquire them to come along. Had she ever met Nicole, Alphonse would not have pegged her as a person with the taste for the finer things or someone with the means to acquire them. He would have been right on both counts. For her part, had she ever met Alphonse Pinelli, Nicole would not have pegged Alphonse as anything but a pompous ass and a douchebag. She, too, would have been right, on both counts. Regardless, in the showroom of Pinelli's she stood. In one hand she held the keys to a 2013 Ferrari F12 Berlinetta. In the other hand she held a brochure. The brochure stated that it was a 730-horsepower V12 and to date was the fastest Ferrari ever built. Under different circumstances, Nicole would not be caught dead in a car like this. This was a car for douchebags, like Alphonse Pinelli. Nicole figured she may be many things, but a douchebag was not one of them. Nevertheless, she wanted fast. She had somewhere to be, and faster was definitely better. She tossed the brochure over her shoulder, and pulled open the door on the Berlinetta. She was about to climb in when, looking up, she saw another dealership across the street. Over there, the cars were not sheltered in a climate-controlled showroom. They sat in a lot in the open air, for anybody and everybody to see. What Nicole saw made her doubt almost immediately that her first choice in transportation was the correct one. She dropped the keys to the Berlinetta where she stood, and exited Pinelli's. Pete Petey Maxwell sold heavy metal. He prided himself on dealing in American steel that could propel you down the road at a furious pace, in a cloud of smoke and a strong scent of burning rubber. At six foot three inches, Pete Maxwell was an imposing man, until he smiled. He had spent his early years as a semi-professional boxer. He never got his shot, but came damn close on more than one occasion. He retired and sank his savings into his second love, vintage muscle cars. Though he had been out of the ring for a long time, he was still more hardened muscle than fat. Had Nicole ever met Petey, she would have found his open good nature immediately likable. For his part, Petey would have thought Nicole, nickel to her friends, 
and she would have told him that, was pretty cool too. In 1967, Pontiac made some changes to the GTO. A Rochester four-barrel carburetor was added. The engine got a wider cylinder bore to 400 cubic inches and came in three models. Economy, Standard, and the one that had drawn Nicole's attention, High Output. Nicole ran her hands along the body of the car and stood in front staring at it, its cherry red paint job gleaming in the afternoon sun. The car, for those who believe such things are possible, stared back at Nicole and spoke to her mind. What's your name, girl? Whether Nicole actually heard this was not something she would ever articulate, but she answered all the same. My name's Nicole Bennett. Friends call me Nickel. The car stared back and said, The keys are inside, Nickel. Let's get the hell out of here. Nicole nodded. Hell yeah, she said. Ninety seconds later, all that was left of Nicole in the car was that cloud of smoke and scent of burning rubber that had made Pete Petey Maxwell so proud. Chapter 5 It was the job that kept him going. That was it. For the past 27 miles, Nicole was trying to remember what kept Martin Riggs going in the movie Lethal Weapon. The job. That was the thin line that kept him from a barrel in the mouth. Nicole didn't think she was the type of person who would ever commit suicide, but back at Friendly's, she had to admit she almost did a pretty good impression of someone who could. Some part of her, a part that maybe she did not know existed, had not allowed that to happen. She told herself that maybe she too had a reason to keep going. That the reason was every bit as flimsy as Martin Riggs did nothing to encourage her. What kept her going was the promise of safety. But that is where the incentive ended. Her father would be there, and while on some level he might be happy to see her, she doubted it would result in even a physical embrace, let alone doing anything to bridge the gulf between them. She would be safe, but then what? She would get to witness firsthand Colonel Stephen Bennett at his finest, executing the mission, determining acceptable losses, and being as distant as he ever was. Nicole looked out across the empty landscape as it whizzed by at 95 miles per hour. She imagined that was how her life was going to be from here on in, whizzing by and full of emptiness. Turning her attention back to the road, she saw a sign up ahead. Fair Valley City Limits. She crested a rise and slowed the GTO. In the distance was a building. Fair Valley Home Improvement Supercenter was emblazoned high atop a pole close to the road. Bringing the GTO to a stop, Nicole gazed through the windshield. The store sat on the outskirts of town, a lone structure on a vast expanse of open land. She stared down at it, looking for any signs of the living, or... Unliving? What was the proper term for them anyhow? She thought to herself. Undead? Living dead? Stiffs? It didn't really matter, she decided. It was not likely she was going to offend them in conversation. She continued to study the lay of the land, but did not see any movement. The only sound she heard was the throaty idle of the GTO's engine. Ultimately, it was not the store that worried her. It was the town further down the road. Towns had people, 
And people, or rather what had happened to people, was the real problem. The store was a choice. Going through town was not a choice. And it was causing her more angst than merely not knowing the official nomenclature of whatever was standing, walking, shuffling or crawling between her and where she needed to be. She studied the store one more time. It looked completely abandoned, save for the one car in the far reaches of the parking lot. Nicole looked over at her MP3 player lying in the passenger seat. It had been dead for the last 180 miles, its present condition the main reason she had been playing movie trivia. Could use some batteries, she said. And with that it was decided. She hit the gas and headed down the hill towards the parking lot. Having reconnoitered the store from the hill, Nicole felt fairly confident that her shopping trip would be a quick one. She parked the GTO hood first in front of the store and got out. Before she closed her door, she took a final look around. The place looked as empty as Friendly's, at least before her morning visitors, she thought. The lights are on, but nobody's home. I hope, she said as she closed her door and went around and popped the trunk. Leaving it open, she approached the store. On her left was an outdoor fire pit display. One of the fire pits was circled in curved flagstones, and she picked one up to smash the glass. She paused, looking down at her shoeless feet. In her effort to get away, she had left everything back at the motel, including her shoes. Can't pull a diehard today, she thought, her cinematic influences again surfacing. She put down the flagstone and approached the doors. They slid open for her. Huh, she said, as she went in. On her right were two lines of shopping carts. She grabbed one and went shopping. It was what Nicole had come to expect, except for the complete lack of human activity, the place looked business as usual. The lights shone brightly, the floors were swept and clean, and shelves were stocked and waiting. If it were not for recent events, she would have sworn that everyone but her had been vacuumed off the planet, like so much dirt from a rug. Of course, in this case, the only dirt that remained could walk around and wanted to eat you. Still, there was no smell here, and she did not plan to stay that long. Nicole made for the batteries. They were stacked neatly on a displayer by the registers. With her arm, she began sweeping shelves of them into her basket. Checking batteries off her mental shopping list, she moved off deeper into the store. Sam was straightening the last shelf of light bulbs on aisle one when he heard a noise up by the front of the store. He poked his head around and saw a girl disappear down aisle seven in the walls and windows department. Nicole had not slept in a bed since Friendly's. She had taken to sleeping in her car with the doors locked and the keys in the ignition. The Cavalier had been tough. The back seat was not long enough for her to stretch out, and with the passenger side window broken out, she had been vulnerable. The GTO was better, but in her panic to get away from the dead at the motor inn, she had left with her life and nothing else. Some pillows and blankets would be nice, to replace the ones she sacrificed, making her escape. Nicole did not see any of those, so some throw pillows and 84-inch curtains would have to do. Into the cart they went. Pushing the shopping cart out of the aisle, 
she headed for the outdoor supplies department. A big cooler was what she had decided on. She would find a grocery store and some ice, and then it would be eat and run. Finding food and not becoming food was the order of the day. Besides, less stopping meant more miles, the way she figured it. Sam finished the bulbs and made his way to walls and windows. Maybe the customer needed some assistance, and if she was a mystery shopper, Sam did not want to risk getting a bad review. He got to aisle seven, but the customer was nowhere in sight. He made his way to the end of the aisle, looked right, then left, and caught a glimpse of her as she rounded the corner, heading down the light bulb aisle. Sam turned and followed her. Nicole turned right into the outdoor supplies department. She spotted the coolers at the end of aisle 22 and headed for them. Selecting the biggest one she could find, a 75 quart, she shoved it into her cart. Sam got to the aisle just as the girl took a right and disappeared. He sighed. She seemed to know what she was after and was not acting like a mystery shopper, so he felt reasonably safe. He turned and went to register four flipped on the light, and waited. Nicole stood in front of the outdoor hand tools, looking at axes, sledgehammers, and pitchforks. She picked up a sledgehammer and tested its weight. Too heavy, she said. She looked at the pitchforks. The weight was better and she liked the sharp prongs. But what if they get stuck on them, she thought. Replacing the pitchfork, she glanced over at the hickory axe handles. She grabbed one and got a feel for it. The wooden handle was light, but solid. Its tapered end felt good in her hands. Smiling, she dropped it in her cart. Gas cans were the next thing on the list. The pumps at gas stations were unreliable, so siphoning was the next best option. Turning down aisle 26, she saw them in various sizes on the right. She grabbed a one-gallon size and three of the five-gallon. Further down the aisle were hand pumps and she grabbed three of them. With her cart full, she headed out of the aisle. Making a left, Nicole saw a display of work boots in the center of the aisle. What kind of home improvement store sells shoes? she thought. Shrugging her shoulders, she rummaged through the boxes, looking for her size, tossing away the ones that were not. Chauvinist, Nicole said as she saw that all they had were men's sizes. Finally finding a men's size eight, she took the boots out and placed the sole against the bottom of her size six foot. Close enough, she said, and put them on. Won't win any fashion awards with these, she thought, as she walked around in them. Satisfied that they were at least better than bare feet, Nicole grabbed her cart and headed for the front. Sam watched the customer approach and reminded himself to tell her about the 18 months same as cash offer the store had been running. He put on his best smile and was about to greet her when she bypassed the registers completely and made for the front door. Uh, ma'am, I can check you out right over here, Sam said. To his surprise, the customer appeared to jump out of her skin. She looked at him and screamed. Sam used to have a cat that could not hear very well. Every now and then when he would walk up and surprise it, the cat would go from a sitting position to a foot in the air and backwards. Up until this moment, he had never seen a person be able to mimic those kinds of acrobatics. This girl came close. He stared at her and she at him for several seconds, 
before the girl grabbed her cart and rushed out of the store. Sam left the register and stared at her through the glass. He watched as she hurriedly emptied the contents of her cart into the trunk of her car and slammed it shut. Not wasting any time, the girl, now clearly a shoplifter, jumped behind the wheel. The driver's side door barely closed as she peeled out of the parking lot in a cloud of smoke. Sam could only stare after her. I'm going to have to report this to the loss prevention manager when he comes in, he thought to himself. The GTO turned on to the two-lane in front of the store and raced down the road at a furious pace.